soldier boy Drake. Welcome back, lads and lasses. Well, it was a bumpy octagonal, but the United States men's national team has qualified for Cotter, the World Cup that will take place in November because FIFA is a wonderful organization that cares a lot about human decency. But don't let the host nation's rampant corruption put a damper on the festivities. The boys are in, and we're here to talk about the good, the bad, and the nevis of it all, so let's kick off. Welcome in, everyone. Welcome back to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. It is somehow already the last day in March. A Thursday, I believe, is the day of the week that it is. Time flies when you're an anxious mess. Uh, That's right. And it has been an anxious week for USMNT fans. But, you know, we're here. We made it through. So did the U.S. team. We'll we'll talk about it all. It's a, a frozen awful day in st louis how's it on your side of the state um i'm actually in st louis today steven oh, so are you well, so it's you're... also <laughs> experiencing the same thing so uh um, weather-wise same thing same thing you're feeling that's right <laughs> uh yeah it's unpleasant but you know not as bad as say playing a conca calf draw in st paul uh in the middle of january yeah that's whenever we we'll get into this but that's looking more and more like the stupidest thing that's ever happened yeah pretty <laughs> dumb. so let's go ahead and dive in the u.s men's national team this will probably be a, a shorter more you know a little more informal episode today but i uh, wanted to cover the happy news that the u.s men's national team has Folks. qualified for the world cup in Cutter, is that how we're saying this? I think so. I think that's I've the preferred always, pronunciation. I've I always said Qatar, but I, I will try and be. Well. Which it's <laughs> very confusing because, like, I'll say Qatar and then I'll correct myself to Cutter, but the Qatar Airways commercials pronounce like Qatar, so I don't know what they're expecting. Can I, can I be honest? Why are we trying to be culturally sensitive to Qatar? They're not going to be culturally sensitive to us. Are their you know? own people. They're not culturally right. sensitive. Uh, <laughs> right. So what do I care? But in any case, uh, that's where FIFA, a very outstanding organization. Let's I'm not sure forget to all... talk about the other FIFA story this week. It was all on the level. Um, yeah. But let's where FIFA has chosen to host their World Cup and the U.S. men's national team will be going to it in the winter of this upcoming year because it's in Qatar. So you have to put it in their summer i guess no and their winter no and their winter so that you can actually play so it's like 10 <laughs> degrees cooler which means it's 105 instead of 115 uh wow what a choice what a decision they're gonna um, manufacture clouds <laughs> that's right wow okay so uh this was a, a final three qualifying window that u.s had to play in the azteca against mexico um and then host panama which was a lot of fun, we'll talk about. And then at Costa Rica, which was no fun at all, um, but they succeeded in not losing by six goals and therefore <laughs> advanced. It was a close one, but- and I tell you, um, I was sweating. <laughs> they would have needed like, they would have needed to lose by like six more goals, wouldn't they? Rather than just the two, because the goal differential is still 11 us to five them i guess it would be one at a time though so yeah they would need four more but like after that second goal it was just all hands 
It was I mean, little, I would have believed anything at that point. It was a little white knuckly <laughs> there for a minute, for sure. Uh, let's travel back to the Azteca for a moment, because the U.S. did what ended up being a critical job in uh, mm-hmm. Mexico City by holding on to a point against uh, their arch rivals on the road in the notoriously difficult stadium in which I think we've only ever had four positive results maybe or something like that like until this cycle and like yeah it's been hard times and yeah mexico is definitely not the juggernaut of Concacaf the way they once were um but uh we held on it was a pretty kind of a boring game almost not it wasn't exactly boring but it was not you know we weren't the better team we were just good enough to not actually, you know, we did have a couple scoring chances. So maybe we were the better team. Maybe Jordan Peacock would have allowed us to be, um, uh, a ch- you know, a little, have a little more comfortable qualifying period mm. if he had scored the easiest goal of his life. But I don't know. It was, it was a fine game. I think it was a good positive result for the U S to take a point in Mexico is always, a challenge and never a given. And so, you know, we had the two scoring opportunities from PFOC and Polisic. They both missed, and that's disappointing. Christian would redeem himself. Um, Jordan, not sure he's ever going to get a chance to redeem himself. Uh, but what did you feel about that road draw? Yeah, I think, it, I think it was probably pretty fair. Um, if you look at the XG, U.S. won that battle 1.26 to 0.4 from Mexico, but Mexico still had 11 shots. They just weren't good shots. I think our center backs did a really good job. I'm growing very much a fan of the Miles Robinson uh, combination. Walker Zimmerman. Walker Zimmerman. I couldn't think of Walker Zimmerman's name for life of me. Uh, I'm, thing. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself. I'm going a big fan of that combination. Like, the more yeah. I think about it, the harder I feel like it's going to be for John Brooks to get back in the starting 11 or even on the team, because I think with those two, they're such a solid pair and they're so athletic. And especially with the players you come up against in Cotton Calf, and then we'll see when the World Cup comes around. But they did a very good job this window. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's probably we can probably talk about it when we're done. But one of the big takeaways from this window is seeing seeing the defense solidify mm, yeah, kind of get a better picture of what that looks like. Obviously, Serginho Dest wasn't there, so he would be, you know, presumably you're starting right back at, or left back, mm, wherever you yeah, choose. I think at, that that back four, Anthony Robinson's also very much, he's like cemented in my starting line. Yeah, I think those yeah. are the four pretty much without question right now. And then you've got some decent options for, um backups you know we haven't really seen joe scally feature at all uh i don't know if greg knows who he is so that might be something that we explore Uh, going forward he probably (laughs) thinks it's just like a scalawag joke and he's like no none of those these guys to keep trying to get me yeah exactly uh but yeah i think that's really good i think we saw good things from the midfield to the mma midfield is really solid that's probably um, another big thing that we saw kind of emerge during this period, but mm. I also think we saw good option, good efforts from other, some of the other guys that got involved there. Um, in this window, 
so yeah, I mean, it was a it was a necessary result, and then we moved on to the game in Panama, which was the most fun I've had as a USMNT supporter in a while. Um, Pulisic gets the hat trick. Paul Ariola gets the opening, or not the opening goal, but the first goal from. And he jumped um, like 15 feet in the air yeah. at that corner. I'd say that was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> and Jesus Ferreira uh, with the other, the other goal. Just this one felt like the U.S. men's national team playing their very, very best soccer uh, mm. in the first half, especially. I mean, you can argue about some of the penalty, both of the penalty calls, I guess, were not exactly like died in the wool penalties, but they also weren't like, oh, we really stole one there penalty. Yeah, you know I thought I mean? the first one, the one where Walker's in gets hands to the face and then has to mm-hmm. like run to get the ball so that they don't put it back in play. I thought that one was definitely a penalty just because like you can't do that in the box. Second one was definitely more uh, questionable, but I think I would, I would have still given it probably. Mm-hmm. And we saw... Um, Jesus Ferreira playing the, uh, you know, distraction role there on the, mm. um, on the penalty shot, which worked out well, Pulisic buried it. Pulisic really, this is kind of his statement performance probably on the U S yeah, both team, those penalties were well taken and that third goal, which was uh, probably the best goal I've ever seen watching a U.S. match. Yeah, that was that, insane. like from a purely technical standpoint, cause he like turns with the ball and then nutmegs. Uh, one of the Panamanian defenders and then slots it in. And that was beautiful. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he just kind of staked his claim that sort of big players play in big moments Mm. mindset has not always been true of Pulisic. And I think it definitely was in this case. Um, You know, it was when we played Mexico the first time too and got the win there. I think, I think he really, he, he takes a lot of heat because he is a star on a level that the U S men's national team has never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know why I always say the whole name. I'm just going to start saying U S cause that seems like a lot more, a lot more, uh, expedient, but United States um, men's national team. Yeah. But, um, I don't, th- I don't know that all the heat is deserved. There are definitely times where he doesn't perform up to expectations, but there are times when Lionel Messi doesn't perform. Yeah, and I think like Pilsic puts a lot of pressure on himself too. And I think yeah. that might be part of that problem. I think I, you see that in the Costa Rica game, there are a couple of corners where like, you could see it on his face that he wants it so bad and then sails the corner over everyone's head. And you're like, okay, he's just trying way too hard. Yeah. I think, I think that's the thing. You can't like accuse him of lacking effort for mm. sure. Um, but he proved it in this game. I mean, he, he stepped up to the point, but I th- he wasn't alone. I think Paul Ariola looked fantastic and uh, Jesus Ferreira looked really good. Luca Della Torre as Christian Pulisic's bodyguard. Yeah. It was a statement game for Luca too. But yeah. on, on top of uh, just being the person to get in the middle of Pulisic and all the scrums that were going on, he looked very good with his passing mm-hmm. and his like first touch is great. So I think like that's an interesting question when McKenney comes back. Like, what do you do with Musa? What do you do with De La Torre at that point? Knowing that you have those options. Yeah. Be, it's a fun question to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice because it doesn't... This was a game where it felt like, hey, we're missing a couple of guys that we would think were necessary, mm-hmm. you know, like to 
in our World Cup qualifying or in our World Cup games, being without McKinney and um, Dest would feel like a real, uh, you know, a real imposition, like a real yeah. handicap. And I think with this starting 11, if if we had to go with these guys in an important World Cup game, you know, I'd rather have McKinney and Dest in there, but I wouldn't feel like, oh no, we're doomed, you know? Yeah. And I think that speaks highly of, of Ariola and, and Ferreira, especially. And then Shaq Moore, who came in and kind of did the business from basically not expecting to necessarily even be on the team in this window, let alone be starting in what turned out to be the most critical game of the window. Yeah, I was a little disappointed just because I, I wanted to see what Joe Scali could do, but like Shaq Moore did everything you would have wanted your backup right back to do. And like, mm-hmm. maybe you think he's better than Yedlin at this point for that yeah. kind of depth option. I, I like well, I think, a lot. I think you're better than Yedlin, so, you know. No, <laughs> but you know, you know. <laughs> uh, if, if we're being honest, though, I think, you know, he probably isn't going to supplant Yedlin in, in great size. No, I don't size, think so. But, but there are some things that he does really well that I yeah. don't think Yedlin necessarily brings to the table. For sure. Um, I, th- I just thought this was our our best game. It was a lot of fun ended up being really important that five to one score line. I mean, even if, if we won two or three to one, I think we still would be qualifying right now, but if we'd only come Ooh, away with boy. the two, one lead that second half in Costa Rica would have been very, very white knuckly. So yeah. Could um, you imagine? <laughs> yeah. So this kind of takes, takes the pressure off of the Costa Rica game, which let's go ahead and talk about it. Um, at the end Taylor Twelman or whoever whoever was doing color commentary kind of said, well, you don't actually care about the score line. You care about the result. And I'm like, I care a little about the score line. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I know that's maybe that's not the right way to be, um, but it just, it would have been nice to like grab qualification rather than to fall into it just to have that like to costa rica yeah just have that statement performance of mm-hmm. like all right we put all of our demons behind us like going into costa rica historically w- steven i don't know if you're aware of this stat we've only grabbed one point in the history of world cup qualifying like yeah. in san jose i knew it was bad i didn't know it was quite <laughs> that bad but yeah it's weird it's it's one of the i was thinking about this after the game because like we talk about Concacaf like it's insane and it is insane right Mm. i mean but it's not dramatically more insane if you compare it to uefa i guess it's 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 insane but if you compare it to afcon Mm. or uh, whatever the south american one is which i should know like oh thank you look at (laughs) you being on top of things um I don't think they're like drastically different. I think that's going to be the same thing where, the, I mean, we saw an AFCOM, we'll get to that later, but like <laughs> stadiums are going to be hostile. <laughs> crowds are going to be crazy. Things are going to happen. And like, I think, I think the fact that we are still intimidated to play in Costa Rica mm-hmm. indicates that we're still not a top level team in the world. Like we, if you go into Costa Rica and you lose, that's fine. It's a tough road game. They're a good team. And like, but there's such Taylor a Navas is also like when he plays like that, he's the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But they're also, there's such a difference to me between 
hey, we got beat and mm. or we got goalied, you know, versus this game where I don't think we look like we were in it at all. Ever. No, like outside of like Miles Robinson and Tyler Adams, like who had a good game yesterday? Yeah. And even that's kind of fine given the circumstances, but it's just you it doesn't seem like it's a one one off isolated incident, mm. you know. Yeah. And I really would have loved to see the team say, hey, yeah, we probably qualified with what we did against Panama, but you know what? We're going to go in there and, and I'm just like three tired anyway. in a way of us like consistently having one game each window where we just play so under how well we are. Like mm-hmm. this talent level should not look like that in a game. And like they had scoring chances early and a couple like really good saves from Kaylor Navas, but like after Navas came out, they didn't really challenge the backup keeper. And that was like in the earlier Costa Rica game, that's what helped us. Navas got hurt early. And then, you know, we had a lot of chances on their backup keeper who clearly isn't, you know, a top level talent like Navas is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is, he is fantastic. And he did do some major things in this game. So it's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to dwell on a negative, but it was just a little disappointing to not have a, a bit more life. Yeah. But that. I think that's fair. Like you read Pule six, like body language after the game and he's clearly like frustrated and doesn't want to talk mm-hmm. about the fact that they qualified off of this game. So like, I think it's refreshing a bit that the players obviously feel it too. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they didn't seem thrilled after no, they didn't after the game. So you'll take that, I guess. Um, all in all, a very, very up and down octagonal. Mission accomplished US. though, Steven. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Get the banner, call in the warship. Um, that was the funniest thing about the Panama game is when they gave them the banner that said like qualified. And you can see I'm like unfurling it and you see everyone mm-hmm. taking a peek and then all of a sudden like in they all drop it simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah, we going back, we drew with El Salvador and drew with Canada to open this thing. We were all talking about fire Greg. And then mm-hmm. we got the four to one win over Honduras to end that window. And we thought, hey, that's positive. And then we moved into to two nothing win over Jamaica. That was good. But then we lost to Panama one to nothing. And that really uh, like we, is probably the game that sticks out to me as like the worst yeah. game of this window. Yeah, you got to get a point there for sure. Um, and I think you need three points from one of those first two. El Salvador, I know playing in El Salvador is a nightmare. And I know Canada was, hey, they were the best team of of the octagonal this time. But yeah. I, you need a point from one of those. Um, the Panama was brutal. We bounced back to beat Costa Rica. And then we made a statement in this to start the next window by beating Mexico, even while we were down to 10 men for part of that game. But then we go to Jamaica and we draw. And that's another one where you're like, how did this happen? You're mm-hmm. better than Jamaica. Why are you not getting three points here? Um, next, we have El Salvador. We won one nothing. Then we lose two nothing to Canada, um, and then we beat Honduras three to nothing. Which was that the Minnesota game? Or yeah, was that's El Salvador the, the Minnesota game. Um, El Salvador was Minnesota game. Yeah, um, yeah, this was in, at Allianz Field. Um, I know. I'm sorry. El Salvador was the one we played in Columbus, and then Allianz Field was, yeah. was Minnesota. Okay. Yes. Um, and then that catches us up to our current window. Nothing, nothing against Mexico, five to one Panama, two to nothing loss to Costa Rica. So 
I don't know. I think on the balance, I still don't feel like this team is I I still feel like Greg's a problem. I guess let's let's get out the middleman. I just don't like I don't know what our identity is other than it feels like it feels like we think our identity is hey, we're a young improving international team. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And we know that we're better, or at least we have the potential to be better than this country ever has been before. But beyond that, it's like, that's it. It's it's like our identity is the star players, but the star players aren't necessarily even in and of themselves. I mean, they're young kids, so they don't even know who they are a lot in a lot of the cases. You yeah. know? So it just seems a little... Geo is only going to get better and only going to be more of yeah. a pivotal piece in this team. And yeah. Yeah. And like nothing, taking nothing away from the talent, which really is, I mean, miles ahead of any previous point in, in U.S. Yeah. And I guess that's my problem, Stephen, is I feel like we very much are the most talented team in this region, especially mm-hmm. since Canada's been playing without Alfonso Davies for like half of this window. And yeah. uh, like, obviously they have a very good team. I'm not, not saying that, but I think like yeah, our, we've got guys on our bench that Canada would gladly start in yeah. other positions that Alfonso Davies isn't, in, you know, yeah, like, outside that and like Jonathan David and mm-hmm. uh, like, I think their, their strike partnerships obviously better than ours, but yeah, our midfield and our depth is, I think makes us the best team in this region. And to see them mm-hmm. like constantly playing below those expectations is frustrating. Yeah, I think that that describes it well. Um, but hey, positive being positive. I'm sorry if I yelled that really loud. It sounded like I yelled it loud. But we'll take the positives and say, you know, we qualified. Now on to the next thing, which is the World Cup. I mean, I assume there are friendlies between now and December of next year. <laughs> but um, we have qualified uh and we can you imagine no not qualifying for the world cup can you imagine that like if you if you let's say like you're a team hadn't. who you know won a your regional competition this last summer let's say you did that and then you <laughs> didn't qualify for the world cup like that's just crazy to even think about yeah was there a team was was there a team that did imagine that? <laughs> imagine that yeah i can't put my finger on it but um yeah that was wow how did they not how did they not do it again? Folks, imagine sandwiching Italy, <laughs> a UEFA championship, a Euro, a Euro championship between two World Cup non-appearances. <laughs> Incredible. This That's... one is almost worse for me than last time. Because I feel like it seemed like the win at Euros was then like signaling, okay, we're back on the world stage to then like immediately follow that up with <laughs> failing to qualify. Yeah, it's uh, it's real. It's real rough, I think, for them. But, uh, you know, good for North Macedonia. Way to be a buzzkill, I'd say. You know, as we've you, said for a long time, North Macedonia is we're big podcast, uh European team. So that's right. We're very much. Yeah, I mean, we're super into it. So UEFA is weird. Let's talk about AFCON for a minute. Um, what a disgrace for FIFA to, <laughs> I mean, everybody who's watching this podcast, I assume has probably seen the video of, um, and by watching, I mean, listening to this podcast has probably seen the video of Mo Salah lining up to take a penalty kick uh, with a dozen 
two dozen bright green laser pointers pointed in his face. Yeah. Uh, to his credit, I mean, he he obviously whiffs the penalty kick because how could you possibly not? But I mean, to his credit, doesn't seem to complain or yell at anybody or even really slump his shoulders. And then of uh, just to put the extra little dagger in things, it's his teammate Sadio Amane on the other side who scores a goal and qualifies Senegal for the World Cup. Um, it's I mean, I'm not surprised because it's FIFA, like I'm not mm-hmm. surprised, but how does that happen? I don't know, like officiating wise, how you like you see that on the field and how you don't stop play to like send out a warning or whatever. Because we've seen that, like, not to always bring up Comcast, but we've seen that with the Mexico games when they get the chant going and they'll stop playing and warn the crowd. Like, how is that not a similar, similar situation to where you stop the game, you warn the crowd, and then if it keeps happening, you postpone the game or you award the game to, I don't want to say award the game to. Egypt, because obviously that's something you never want to see, but I don't know how you don't, as an official, step in and delay the game when you see that. How happen. do you not say, hey, you know what, let's do, let's take the penalty kick on the other end? <laughs> I mean, at least there's a lot that could have been done here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they have laser pointers over there too, but as far as I know, they didn't give it a, a look see, they didn't give it a test. I assume Egypt had a, a fan section, you know, put them yeah. up against. I just don't like it's when you're talking about qualifying for the world cup too it's not like a it's not like a throwaway game you know (laughs) that's the biggest game like outside of like the africa cup nations that's the biggest game they'll play yeah so i it's just i mean nothing's gonna be done about it so i don't want to get crazy riled up about it but it sure seems like a real problem that does seem like real problems if they were a real sport which they are not so i um, think and i haven't followed up on this so i apologize if there has been an answer to this but like the egypt fa had filed a grievance i don't know if anything came of that yet so i think it just was filed yesterday so maybe there'll be an update to that situation but yeah i really don't anticipate uh, fifa doing anything about it Let's see if I can spell grievous correctly. I cannot. Um, it's I E, not E I. A general grievous. Uh, I, I before E, except <laughs> after whatever the thing. Yeah, it's a general grievous. <laughs> FIFA boss steps back sharply. Ooh. From contested biennial World Cup plan. Oh, well, that's, that's good. a totally different thing. I mean, that's good, but that's not, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with this. Thank you, Egypt. Um. Sadio Mane, quote, isn't washing his own underpants. <laughs> well, that's concerning, but. Is <laughs> <laughs> someone else watch, washing them for him? Or? I have questions. Uh... <laughs> uh, what, what, um, I'm very. I'm very confused, but okay. Um, Malawi head coach Maria Marinika has hit out at the conditions his team have encountered at their African Cup of Nations accommodation and outlined his belief that there is a conscious bias against the smaller teams in the competition. The Flames will face Morocco at the Stade Amadou Ahijo 
in Yaounde and Tuesday's round. Anyway, the Romanian head coach whose comments come accusations from Gambia about the substandard conditions they have encountered uh, believes that favoritism towards the competition's bigger teams is leading the lesser lights at a disadvantage. Quote, you wouldn't see Sadio Mane washing his own underpants and hanging them on a bush to dry, Maranika told ESPN. Gambia had the same problem, and there are different standards here. Teams are being treated differently. We talk about inclusion. We want to have minnows, small teams doing fantastic things. But when it comes to the latter stages, people don't fancy us playing against Cape Verde and not Senegal playing Morocco, for example. Certain questions have to be asked. Why are these things happening to us? Why only to smaller teams? Why only to Comoros, Gambia? us. I've asked my fellow colleagues and team leaders to lodge a formal complaint. I complained to the managers of the estate and at the current hotel, we struggled for three days before things were sorted out. I couldn't have milk for coffee. They said the milk was finished until tomorrow. We were treated like, is that like, that's, that's, that's your, that's, I got to say, man, you should, you should have a bigger centerpiece complaint. It's also yeah, assuming yeah. a lot about Sadio Mane. I mean, he was right. saying he might be washing his own underwear and putting it right. dry. I, I don't uh, have defensive evidence. Exactly. He says we're treated like second class citizens, but if you're a hotel manager and you see this happening, you take charge. You can't allow it in this day and age and at this level of competition. Again, is it just the milk and the coffee thing? Because seems like you got to have more than that, my guy. <laughs> Uh, we stayed in the same facilities before, and I was shocked we didn't have enough food. There were complaints about the food, but we stayed together, worked hard, stayed strong, and we'll come through with flying colors. Um, God, I love AFCON. Isn't Africa the one where we found out the about the witches cursing yeah, people well, on field? Yeah, they, they currently ban witchcraft in certain games. That's right. That's right. God, I, lo- I love this sport. Um so no no update on the uh, Egyptian complaint as nearly as I can tell, but plenty of updates um, on the Amane's under. I may have found something. Let's see. Let me let me skim this article real quick. Uh, okay. For his part, a FIFA spokesperson told Sky Sport, FIFA is currently analyzing the official reports of the FIFA World Cup qualifiers match between Senegal and Egypt. He added the relevant information contained in this match reports will be evaluated by the relevant disciplinary bodies before a decision is made on the next steps to be taken. Um, why don't you guys just watch the video? That might be a good first step. I would say that would be, yeah. So they're analyzing it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think the video says all that they need to say, but, um, moving on from AFCON, I suppose, we can talk a little bit about the first MOS two game for ye old um, St. Louis City. Basically, their first organized matchup, kind of first professional soccer game. And how many years has it been since uh, SDLFC folded? I don't Too know. Many. Time is a flat circle. I'm not sure, but first time in a long time. You can feel the excitement in the air when you watch that game. That's right. Taylor Tallman uh, out on the field reporting. It was good. It was a good time. Walk us through it. What do you, what did you think of the, uh, did you watch it closely? I've, I've followed on Twitter and can't, can't pretend I saw the whole game, but. I mean, they, they looked pretty good. I enjoyed, I think you see a lot of like, what's fun about watching this is you see a lot of kind of like the building blocks for what the actual city team might look like. And you see a lot of like fullbacks, swinging the ball back and forth. You see a lot of building out the back and it was a very exciting game. And uh, of course, Waikizane getting the first STL city two goal. That was 
really fun, especially as someone who like I was at Lion Crusade's first game in KC when he debuted for Sporting, so that was kind of a fun thing to witness his first goal for St. Louis. And it was it was a good game all around. The atmosphere was very fun. It there's a lot of singing, a lot of noise from not a big crowd. Uh, I, I do love just watching games at Herman to begin with, but it was mm-hmm. a pretty dominant two nothing win, which you would maybe expect because we do have a pretty strong third division team because uh, some of those players will be coming up next season. So it was a great first start and it was just fun to see everyone get excited and the amount of support that they have from the entire organization. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it was, I think the biggest thing about it is just the, like you said, the support they have from um, the the community already is just proof of how well received. I think this sport is going to be here um i just think soccer is gonna take over this city in pretty short order and i'm excited about it i feel good about it i feel, I feel positive really good. and it's like a fun brand of soccer too like you can bring someone who isn't totally familiar with soccer like maybe hasn't been to a professional game before and it's going to be a a high event soccer game as they say which a lot of scoring whether that's good or bad it'll be fun it'll be a good time so i'm i'm excited to see how this team progresses see our future signings and as we talked about i think we're gonna have a decent shot at it yeah yeah i think we're gonna be pretty good to start uh our first campaign it's- pretty or first mark it down predictions right. are pretty good and we are always <laughs> correct with them so um Justin, I have to tell you one thing yeah. because I know Ian will never, ever listen to this. Um, <laughs> I found a quiz with which to torture Ian for next time that he's Perfect. on this podcast. Uh, and it is, it's just actually a straight up Sporkle quiz that I stumbled onto randomly. Um, but uh, it's got three teams and you're supposed to guess the country that those, those oh, teams are in. Fun. So. So he is I, going to hate it. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, Birmingham City, Stoke City, and Sunderland are the first one. That's pretty easy. But then you've Bingo got like Real Sociedad, uh, Mallorca, and Asuna uh, are next. And you've got, you know, all the way down to like Vasco da Gama, Fluminense, Palmeiras, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, one of these is in. Um, Jordan or or Lebanon I forget was one of the I just kept guessing Middle Eastern countries until I got it um but uh I saved this this is the really the denouement of the story Mm. I saved this in a bookmark bar on um my uh Google Chrome and I just gave it the uh bookmark name Torture Ian Uh, (laughs) and uh Today on at work, I was sharing my screen uh, for during a meeting, and it wasn't until uh, at the end of the meeting that I realized that this bookmark was sitting there the whole time. Um, and Ian, for those who don't know, is a coworker as well as as a longtime friend, long before we were coworkers. Well, as a co-host on this podcast, some of you might not yeah, know that. That's true. People <laughs> might, might, might not be familiar since he's never around. <laughs> He really hates the Red Bull teams, people. But here's the best part, Justin. I noticed that I didn't change the bookmark, and I don't (laughs) think you even know this yet. Later in the day, we had like a big webinar where one guy was like presenting to 300 people. 
Um, and at one point he froze and his, his internet died and he had to leave the webinar. And so it was my job to come on and say, hey, he's just having some technical difficulties. He's going to come back. We're going to try and get him back in here as soon as possible. And then I was asked by our CEO to share a a share a slide screen share a slide that said you know he'll be back in a few minutes uh and once again this time an audience of 300 had they been paying attention would have seen that i had a bookmark you're gonna uh, get with, some calls from yeah uh, <laughs> from dhs or somebody um and no one has said anything so it's i think actually a 24 really hour live stream of ian's apartment <laughs> <laughs> that's right um, and he's just standing there, sitting there. And it's like, he's not clearly any uh, disabled in any way, but you just get a spooky feeling about it, you know? It's unnerving more than anything. <laughs> There's one light bulb that's just like flickering inconsistently. Um, but yeah, I have not, nobody's said a word to me, but I really hope somebody out there is thinking, what is this guy's deal? You just, you need to keep that up until someone knows. Yeah, I just, I will never <laughs> Now I just, it's gotta be a running joke. I did have a thing earlier uh, this week, <laughs> earlier this week. I was m- making fun of a coworker from Texas, and I told her that Texas is basically Nebraska but hotter. <laughs> um, and so later that week, later that day, I was supposed to screen share during another meeting. So I took the time to um, create a nice little slideshow called Texas equals Nebraska. Um, <laughs> I'll show it to you right now on the screen. Um, and I used her name as the author. Uh, and I just had this tab that said Texas equals Nebraska next to the screen I was trying to share the whole time, um, hoping that she would say, <laughs> what is that or what's going on? And I would be like, oh, this is the this is the slideshow you sent me earlier, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I realized that the entire time I was sharing the wrong screen and nobody <laughs> told me. So it was a, a lot of wasted effort. But um, <laughs> I know, stand by that. Yeah, I don't think it's really wasted. Eventually, you'll, you'll right. find use for that. That's right. And Justin, can you tell me which of these pictures is Texas versus Nebraska? I bet you I, can't. I cannot. I cannot discern the difference at all. I've I've forgotten. I think this is Nebraska and this is Texas. Ooh, I would have said the opposite. My educated guess would have gone See? that one picture is Texas. Yeah. Now this one, this is Texas and this is Nebraska. That one's a little bit easier because Nebraska has no real city. So you can kind right. of make it out. And that looks like a real city <laughs> by accident, which I guess is probably Austin. Austin's like Austin. actually a really nice city. Like a it does look city, like Austin. But, yes. But I stand by the basic conjecture that Texas is, is basically Nebraska. But you know what really is a fake city? And I only know this because last year, me and Claire drove to the Grand Canyon for New Year's and we drove through that way. Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. Austin area. Um, Oklahoma City is very much a fake city. I don't oh, know if yeah. you've ever driven through it, but it does have. Not, it does not seem like an actual city. So. There is a uh, uh, an oil derrick on the state capitol's ground, so that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. There's like oil. one big building, and the rest of it, uh, yeah. it doesn't well, exist. <laughs> one, maybe, one maybe big... there's a reason Oklahoma City is a little. <laughs> A little uh, nervous about building big, big buildings in particular, but yeah, um, yeah. There's some towns out there that I, I did a Sporkle quiz the other day that was name each state when given your their third most popular mm. populous city. Ooh. And boy, that was like some of them, like Dallas, is the third most populous in Texas. 
I think. I will so say for I, Missouri, that's going to be tough because I'm pretty sure it would be it either Springfield. I was about to say Springfield. Case. Yeah. <laughs> and and it said, because I think there was a Springfield on the East Coast too that was third. So it says Springfield Midwest for that. But then there were some that were like, I've never heard of this city at all, like Idaho or, or you know, Montana <sighs> yeah, yeah, or whatever. It's like, I can't you. name you the biggest city in most of those states. Uh, Juno is Juno, maybe. Uh, I'm going to throw that city name out there. I believe it might have been Juno. <laughs> Yeah. We got Aurora and I thought that might be Alaska and then it was Colorado, which is obvious. I mean, I know about sense, Aurora, yeah. Colorado, but um but uh yeah, I feel like the US is a bigger place than I think about a lot of the time. But it also is kind of smaller, you know, because like you can fly anywhere in a couple hours. So mm-hmm. except for Hawaii, that took a lot longer than a couple hours. But in any case, we've ventured far off the subject of soccer. Do you have anything soccer related that you'd like to discuss before? Um, one thing we didn't talk about, and Stephen, I don't know if you were really paying attention to the sideline fashion last night, but did you happen to notice uh, the Costa Rica head manager? I did not. So he was wearing just your typical sweatsuit um, and a pair of bright red Chuck Taylors. And I just feel like we need to highlight that fact. Oh, Yeah. I like that. along with the uh, farmyard animals that they have as mascots down there as well. That that I did enjoy, <laughs> um, but yeah, I like the casual Chuck Taylor style. You know, you gotta you gotta own it. You gotta be comfortable. I thought it was a good look. Yeah, that's my that's my last contribution though. Okay, well, everybody <laughs> pay respect to Costa Rica manager whose name I don't know. Um, but uh, his Chuck Taylors are very popular, so go him. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have anything final on Luis Fernando Suarez, by the way. Uh, another um, Luis Suarez, Luis oh, Fernando Suarez, very fancy. Has he bitten anyone? I don't um, believe so. Does he play for Liverpool? That'd be the question. No. Yeah, they do have a bunch of biters on that team. Uh, no, I don't have any other soccer talks. I did finally, finally secure a PlayStation 5. I'm happy for you. I'm very black happy market. for you. And so now I can play FIFA on it. And mm-hmm. I have played like two games so far. And the graphics, stunning. But um, it's still FIFA. So what's, uh, what's, your, what's your new say? What save are you going with? Uh, we, we started a, a Frankfurt FC uh, rebuild. I don't know if it can really qualify as a rebuild. But I may go, I may reboot and try something a little more obscure. I always try. I thought about doing Schalke. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. Here's what I was. I was really going to do Shaka, like road back to yeah, back to glory and then move on to, you know, England or something. But they had Gazprom on the mm. jerseys. And I was like, I don't feel good about this. It's also unrealistic because they, they still have that sponsorship money in the game, which you're not going right. to be able to have anymore. That's right. So I didn't feel good about that. And so I didn't do them. But I thought I also thought about doing Werder Bremen because they're in the uh, division two. Mm. Um I definitely think Bundesliga. I haven't. Sp- I usually go to England too quickly. There are some I- big names in Bundesliga too now of teams mm-hmm. that have been relegated somewhat recently. Like Hamburg would be a a good one too because they've been historically big. Yeah, yeah. So I may reboot from Frankfurt and, and pick somebody to re- redeem a little more exciting, but. Stay tuned, folks. You shall see. Stay tuned, and uh, <laughs> until then, hey, you've gotten two podcasts in like two weeks, so. What are you what do you have to complain about? We've been 
That's right. burning the midnight oil over here, even though it's five in the afternoon. Any final closing words for these? Burning the mid-afternoon oil. That's right. Burning the early, early evening oil for you. Uh, we're going to stop talking about oil and soccer, and we're going to hang up this <laughs> podcast now. Can you hang up a podcast? Doesn't matter. We're doing it. Uh, we do not thank endorse you, Gazprom, bro. by the way. That, I hope that was that's right. crystal no, clear. That's very, very true. Yeah. Uh, we uh, thank you from Justin and from me, and even from Ian, uh, if you happen to see him, torture him uh, for us. And Ask him about Red Bull Ghana. That's right. Tell him, ask him to name the third biggest city in Ghana uh, where they're going to have a Red Bull team. You'll it's funny. I actually, I've got, I've got to stop talking at some point. I looked <laughs> up cities in Ghana and the third one is like a falls off a cliff in population. It's Accra, which is 4.2 million. Um, uh, Kumasi, which is, uh, well, okay. Accra, according to the 2013 data is 2.2 million, 2.3 million. Kumasi is 2.0 million, and then Tamale is third, and it's 560,000. They drop off. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Accra also has an arch sort of looking thing. Oh. So there you go. Uh, all right. Almost, cool. We're going to finally stop talking. Here's a picture this outro has been Obama. 20 minutes long. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, here's a picture of Barack Obama at the uh, doorway of no hope. So that's a depressing way to end things. But hey, we have hope for the U.S. men's national team because it has qualified for the World Cup in an equally open-minded and wonderful city country known as Qatar. And it's only a few months away. We'll get there sooner than we know it. And it'll be a great time. Thanks, It'll everybody. Be, uh, we'll talk no to you. No civil rights issues at all. And yeah, we are excited. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and on that note, we will hang up the podcast and talk to you all real soon. Adios. <laughs>